What'll it be, stranger? Andy Sims told me there's a hideout near here, so I headed for it. Nice to see you in change, Jensen. You're listening, You're listening to, to the Hollywood Saloon. Saloon Shots, round two. So I noticed something else kind of interesting going on on the internet in the last couple of weeks. Did you notice uh, what Warner Brothers decided to do, put their catalog online? Yeah, I've actually heard this idea somewhere from um, some podcast I've heard of. (laughs) The Hollywood Saloon? What was it? Format Wars? I think I've heard of this concept before. It's flashback. But I think there's a, a gross oversight that Warner Brothers and Paramount and MGM and 20th Century Fox and Disney, specifically Disney, is really missing. What they need to be doing is going out and buying their own servers, a server the size of a freaking shopping mall, you know? (laughs) And they need to be working on converting their catalogs to a server. Mm -hmm. They need to start now. And it could take five, ten years to do. But everything, all their TV shows... All their films or whatnot. So you go to warnerbrothers.com and you can download anything from the mm-hmm. Warner Brothers catalog. Mm-hmm. And again, it's so perfect for Warner Brothers, who actually kind of does care about their assets and their catalog. And I think I read somewhere they have 6,500 films wow. in their library, something like that. And, you know, obviously this is not going to happen overnight. But I like their thinking behind it is they eventually want to get to the, to the point to where every film is available. Either for download or for $19.95, we'll make you one. We will custom make the DVD for you, and we've got a process now that can probably go take one of our master tapes, put it in, and does a straight DVD transfer that looks really good and clean. And then once they make one of them, then they can just make as many dupes as they want after that, put it into a file somewhere. But it makes a great way for the person that, you know, maybe they'll only sell 100 copies of this one film Mm -hmm. out there. But the program is set up to where all the films are in the catalog, and when you add up the expense of all of them and the profit of all of them, it helps pay for the ones that don't sell as well for the other ones. It's perfect, and it's the future now, and I'm glad that uh, Warner Brothers caught on because I think you and I can now get in line for that Men Don't Leave DVD. (laughs) We thought we'd never see. I know. I would never get it, you know. And our widescreen uh, fearless, Peter Weir, because they did promise that original aspect ratios on all films would be offered. Right. So, you know, well, you know, now I can really this is, get in line. This is really one of the smartest moves we've seen because so many movies get ignored because they don't think that they can sell a million copies of it or 100,000 copies of it or something. So they don't want to well, sink all that money It's the brick and mortar business. It. It's the old thinking of like, okay, I've got to get – my DVD into how many stores? I got to get them into, well, traditions like all the tower stores and all the Best Buys and all the Kmarts and all the Walmarts and everything, every outlet. And then it's all about shelf space at all those outlets. Right. And you're all fighting against hits. So to put an old catalog title on a shelf space where there's already a limited amount of space of stuff that's already not selling, you know, those older catalog titles that the stores already agreed to pick up, put on their shelf that nobody's buying because the audience is too limited. I mean, guys like you and I have too eclectic of tastes to walk into a generic brick box mortar store and expect to find the titles that we want there. You know, we're going to find the generic hits and, you know, maybe occasionally – 
you might find three o'clock high in the bargain bin or somewhere, <laughs> you know. But some of those titles just are not going to be necessarily always big sellers. So this is perfect, and I, I honestly, I see this approach. Really, it's going to be the only thing that can save the brick and mortar kind of business because the old traditional outlets of stocking every DVD is not realistic. So what you do is you you stock a process, much like how Warner Brothers is doing. You walk into a store, you say, I want Men Don't Leave. And they look it up and they go, we don't have any copies here, but we'll make you one. And literally within five or ten minutes, you're walking out with a DVD that they burn for you. Right. And either printed out the artwork, put it in, and then boom, they give it to you. Uh, that's very realistic once the technology and able to you know transmit and send files very quickly and you know burn in, in a matter of minutes. I could see that kind of thing if, and this is a big if, you want to keep that business alive because otherwise it's all going online and it will bypass the brick and mortar completely. Well, if you noticed, uh, they also offered digital downloads. So it's like mm-hmm. you can get a hard copy of it on DVD or you can just download it and watch it and own it on your computer legally. Mm-hmm. And and so I think really there's You there's could probably option. burn it yourself too once you download it, right? Isn't that a burnable file? I, I, I don't well it depends on what kind of protection they would put on it. You really don't really right, don't okay. know at this point. I think it's the smart decision. It's it's probably the way that you're going to see things in the future, like you said, because if it truly is going – the format is going to shift to where we get all of our movies online, uh, really – and you don't, you, know, you don't necessarily own anything anymore. There's always going to be guys like us that want to have that copy on the shelf. You know, you know the old guys who still collect – the the for the records you know the the albums because they want the album covers and they, and they like yeah. vinyl and they got those massive shells uh, guilty as charged yeah, exactly <laughs> you like those big album covers and you can look at the artwork and all that there will always be those folks you know I mean it's going to be you know a couple generations until you get to a point where it's just not even an issue anymore it's just you own a hard drive and all your movies are on the hard drive much like your iPod you know I mean obviously we know that it's going that way and uh, mm-hmm. the shift will happen but the ability to offer you something like that is perfect because then they obviously don't have to print up 10,000 of those to make a profit. And any if you sell one, if you've got a movie sitting on a shelf and you sell one, that's $20 that you made instead of zero. And I guarantee you, like like oh, yeah. you said, if only – Once they make the one DVD of it, they have the master. It's like we don't have to make a master – of all 6,500 titles. We won't make the first one until someone orders it. And then once someone orders it, now we have a master that's sitting there for order number two and three and after that. So it's not even that they have to go to the expense to do all of them at once. Right. It can be as it goes along, which will help build the library you know, in its own appropriate well, time. And the thing that you also got to realize is that we're not talking recent films. We're not talking films that are considered classic films or that have a lot of popularity. We're talking about movies sure. that have a limited audience, things a lot mostly it's a lot of things that you have never heard of before. And so the point is they're not going to have some crazy orders, you know, it's like, "Oh my god, we're overwhelmed with orders for this mm-hmm. old Gene Autry movie." You maybe have 40 people who want to see it and and purchase it over however long it is. Some 20-year-old intern can do that in a in a few hours. You know, if they have the right mm-hmm. machinery. So I think really that uh, 
it's so price effective that it's like they're getting money for nothing. You know, it, it was like when we – God, dare I say it's the right thing to do? Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> I, I mean I, I'm astonished. But it is absolutely the right thing to do because you mentioned something there. You say Gene Autry and that name is, is a big question mark for a lot of people, maybe even listening to this show that just don't have that kind of film history to appreciate the older films that gave us the films that we have now. Right. So – the fact that Warner's is ignoring the market and saying it's more important to Warner Brothers history that our catalog be made available as in like a film historian sense. This is the Warner Brothers family library. Every film was important. They might not have all been hits, but this film in here is this filmmaker's favorite film and that filmmaker was inspired to go do this. So it's just – to me, it just it's a great respect to their history and to the filmmakers that have just sweated out and, and given themselves over to try and make those films at Warner Brothers a little bit better. And uh, now they're going to be preserved forever. And I think that's great. Right. I think everybody wins. They win. Long overdue. Yeah. And, they win. Uh, we win. You know, I'll be curious to see what studios follow suit, <coughs> Fox, <coughs> and how they screw it up. Now it's all going to be about Compromise City. About, well, we're not going to do our whole catalog. We're going to start with, like, 1990 and go forward. <laughs> right. And then we'll go, like, 1980 forward. You know, they'll they'll work it out in chunks, I guess. Yeah, well, but, they're going to uh, do it slow. I don't know. Well, I mean, they don't want to be overwhelmed, so doing it slow. And it brings attention because, you know, it's like you'll go and check that. You know that there will be a day when they release a whole a bunch of new films and uh right and you at can at least create some new excitement yeah. again that you know maybe some things you know will happen and you know you brought up something kind of interesting and you know this is another topic we can just segue right into it because it fits so nicely is we're going to be entering a new stage of collecting versus downloading right you and i are perfect examples of the old model because i've always been of mind of okay i have this copy of this film you know maybe let's just say like um you remember those old James Ryan, Killer Be Killed or Kill and Kill Again, <laughs> those old karate movies? I'm not saying they're great, but I own copies of them. So that one time at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm thinking of that movie, <laughs> I can reach for it, put it in my player, and I have it. I satisfy that urge. I mean I've set myself up with music and movies to where I have at my grip or like a bookshelf what I would want if I ever get – that call or right. urge. The iPod has been awesome for that because you can put a catalog of songs on there. And if you ever get that inclination, boom, you pull it up and you have right. it. But now in this other age of once all the, in 20 years from now or 10 years, you know, it could be less, I'm going to have access to everything. And if I'm woke up in the middle of the night one night and I go, God, I'd really like to see the Peak Panther Strikes again. If it's not on my shelf, I can go and it will be in my box in two minutes. Right. Or less. It will be right there. I'm sitting down and watching it. And I might pay a fee. A buck. Two bucks. Something like that. Right. And it'll be – and I'll get my fix. I'll watch it. And then boom. So the question is, okay, how many more times in my life am I going to watch The Pink Panther Strikes again? If I went out and bought the DVD, what, it cost me about 12 bucks, right? Right. So at – $2 $2 of viewing, That's i got to see it six times <laughs> to justify the cost of putting it on my and shelf. you'll never do that. I'll never see it six more times. Right. 
at this point because I've already seen it six times up to this point in my right. life. So I doubt I'm going to double down on that movie again. So really the practical scene for me to do would be not to own it all. It's just to have it available whenever I want it and downloading will permit that. I mean I get the same vibe out of certain TV shows right, also. Right. I mean to own a TV show, you're really just owning it because you like it. But the chances are that you'll go through it again and again and again means that you have to give up watching a lot of other things right. just because of the time commitment involved. And you know, while you know, it, it might be great to own all the Sopranos or all the West Wing, that same kind of theory will apply. In five or ten years, you can just say, God, I'm in the mood just to watch this one episode that I liked right. of that show. Boom, you're watching well, see, it you know, right then and there. I think that we purchase more out of, out of a sense of loyalty, out of a sense – The collector's sense, but we grew up collecting. Right, right. We were, we were built on that, that consumerist age to where they made things that made you want to collect it. And we remember but being deprived without it, unless you right. ever can remember the age of not owning a movie right. and, and how cool it was to own one and put it in your VCR. I mean you know what it was like when you only owned – three movies or five movies and that's all you watched right. over and over and over again and you didn't even care because it was still you were still high on the fact that hey watch this i could put this oh, in yeah. and rewind it or go to my favorite scene i remember borrowing a friend's D vcr and being like oh this is so awesome and you're just getting giddy i mean yeah. any movie fan was was in heaven absolutely and so right. it's it's not that we're not in heaven but, now but we're now, in like you know heaven's heaven right but but now like you said you can get things anytime in a different way i, I don't think it's quite to that point yet on the internet i think the future is going to have that you know what I mean? But I think it's – I mean think about it this way is if – you know, it would be like us not buying the Blade Runner box set. You know, it's it's like are you kidding me? It's, it's like you're telling me a new uh, final uh, cut edition of Blade Runner is going to come out in the briefcase, all fancy pants and all that, and I'm not going to get it? That's like being disloyal. It's like saying, oh, no, it's not really my favorite film because no matter what came out, I would have bought it anyways. There's just a certain it, – it, de it depends on But they know the that that title, they can get a premium price by offering just a few extra little extras. And again, I'm glad they went all out on that movie and that they care enough about that movie all these years later right. and realize its profitability and potential and all that because they didn't have to. Well, and like I said – That's one of the most unique sets ever right. to come out. Right. Well, and the point was was that there will always be those titles that – Oh, and you're seeing you it know. now also. Now this new, this new deluxe collector's edition. Pearl Jam recently did it with their first album, 10. They put out you know different kind of tiers. U2 put out five different versions of their new record. Radiohead went back and offered these like little album replica CDs, remastered versions of their entire catalog, where you're buying special editions of old CDs and music. They're trying to use this to get people to go actually out and buy the music. So for the Pearl Jam Deluxe, you could buy this big old box, and you could get you know uh, the new version of Ten, the remix version. Plus, like a little cassette tape of the you know the first three demo songs, a couple of LPs, some glossy photos, you know, a DVD, all kinds of extra little goodies that you couldn't get just in one spot. It kind of makes the, the consumer go, "Wow, that's a deluxe Blade Runner briefcase." In the music industry, if you're legally downloading music, you forego a lot. 
You know, you get you miss out a lot if you're a friend. Right. It's like, yeah, having those songs in your iPod is cool, but you really want that little notebook that has all the the the, the pictures and the notes and the the lyrics and everything else that comes along with it. I mean, if you're a real fan, and that's it. It's like they're only catering to that demographic. Right. The new business model is the buffet table. It's like you two saying, "Here's the 8.99 single version of the album, mm-hmm. and also here is the uh, 15.99 CD and DVD, and then here is the 22 or 25.99 CD DVD plus this deluxe other thing, and then we have this $50 version that comes with a big book of pictures and a DVD and some other stuff. So you, the consumer, now get to choose what level you want, and they still include the downloading." Right. So that's like the appetizer version. They they cover every aspect of depending sure. on what your level of interest is. The iPod really changed everything because obviously when we didn't have a choice, you you know, even if you could still download MP3s. No, actually we used to have to make choices before iPod. When I went on a road trip, I'd have to pick which CDs were going with me. <laughs> right. I had to think, okay, what am I in the mood for on this trip? Okay, I'm going to take some of this and some of that. I remember you in your room when we were in college looking at your CD collection to go, okay, um, this one, okay, um, this one. Every road trip was like that. It was <laughs> it was like a ten minute you know think tank of okay, what do I want to bring with me, and do I want to bring this? Nah, I won't listen to it. But what if I think I want to hear something <laughs> off of it? I start asking myself. So I bring it anyway, and guess what? I don't play it the whole time I'm right. Gone, you but know? you know what the thing? But is, I want it there. The thing is, the thing is this: is it really uh, the only thing that necessitated that kind of thought is just that we didn't have. The iPod technology caught up with it and made it better. It wasn't practical to take all those. And we were taking CDs or tapes with us. That's why the mixtapes worked out so great is you could make compilation tapes and not have to take everything with you. You're still forced to listen to, even on a mixtape, the songs that you decided to put in that order and that kind of thing. Whereas now with your iPod, you can set that shuffle thing and it's like you don't know what the hell you're going to get. And that's just insane. My wife likes to listen to her iPod like that a lot. She'll hit shuffle mm-hmm. when she's working and just let it play all day. That's the thing that's trumped it. But at the same time, we've lost that collector's perspective where we enjoyed the big album or the CD or the DVD with the pictures. I still remember, mm-hmm. you know, we, we hated it when they went from the long boxes and said, no more long boxes for, D, for CDs. Right. Cause, yeah. you know, and then the, and the record industry hated it because they lost all that advertising. And we lost the things that we used to put on our walls, you know, the little mini posters. Right. <laughs> but well, and they didn't even spend the money on trying to make the the CD packaging more like albums. I mean, they I have some of like Japan replicas of some old albums from Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and Yes and stuff, where they've actually you know done the gatefold or the triple fold right. and all the little things that came with it. And you know, it's just so nice when I see those kind of deluxe editions made. I don't want to buy it for every record, but for some of them that were special to me, yeah, I I am the market for that kind of thing, and I know there's other people that are too. So. I'm glad that they're looking out for that. But let me pose this question to you. What's our society going to be like in 50 years when we don't know what it's like not to have access to something or to want something? Right. 
That brings up another kind of thing is, is sometimes I'll find myself – you ever just look over your shelf and go, God, there's nothing I want to watch? <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. There's DVDs in there that I've never watched once. I have to stop myself when I say that and it's like if there's no one else in the room, I have to give myself a slap and go, what's the matter with you? Like in Moonstruck <laughs> you know or something. You know what's funny? You know? What I do What I do is that uh, my son will say – uh, I'm bored. And I go, are you kidding me? There's a wall of movies in there. I say it to him, but I don't say it to myself because my wife will go, oh, I'm going to watch something. My wife just tapes a bunch of crap off Cinemax. You know? Oh, sure. And she watches yeah. them that way. And I'm like, okay, you understand that they're cropping the hell out of this. You're not seeing the film as it's supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera, and all that. <laughs> you know? And if she starts watching a movie that we've got in the other room, I'll say, stop it. And I'll go, one, two, three steps. Pick it up off the shelf and, and put it in the DVD player. Sometimes I won't. I was sitting there during the day one time and I was flipping through and the very beginning of Once came on. And I just said, oh, I'll watch this for a minute. Watch the whole movie. Okay? Yeah, and I've yeah. got the DVD in the other room with the better sound quality and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just, it's just funny how that happens. It makes you question your buying choices. I think really that's the hardest thing. You know, Think about this. Okay? And this is the thing that still perplexes me. And I want a way out of it because I don't want to think that way. Now, obviously, I don't have the money to drop on this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I bought those first three seasons of Alias on DVD, okay? Mm -hmm. And then later on, they put out that box. But now you say to yourself, okay, the only time I've ever gone back to Alias on DVD was when I watched wanted – I felt like watching the first episode, Okay, mm -hmm. and I went back and I watched it. I showed it to my parents because they had only seen like season four on, and I said, "Hold on, let's go back mm -hmm. here and see how awesome this was, and look how crappy this is now." You know, but beyond that, it's the only time I did it. So I realized, okay, I don't really watch this TV series even because I've seen it through once, but yet you see that DVD box sitting there, and you go, uh, "Why do I want that?" Why does that call out to me? Is it, is it loyalty to the show to say, I want it because I love it? I could say the same thing with Star Trek uh, Voyager, okay? I mm -hmm. went and bought it after I saw it on TV. I got one of the early DVR systems, and I had that sucker recording every night. Voyager, Voyager, Voyager. I'd sometimes sit down and watch four of them in a row. Uh, but I went through it, and then I went back and bought them season at a time, season at a time, until I had the whole thing. Except on a couple of occasions, I've never gone back and watched the whole thing. It was like I liked it so much. It's loyalty to this product. That's the thing I want to wrap my head around is that in our psychology, the desire to own, to be completists, because if you can get past that, you can save a whole lot of damn money. Well, and I think the only thing that will help you really get past that is just knowing that you do have access to it. Like – it's all in your box. It's all a couple of finger taps away on the keyboard. It's kind of like having Internet Movie Database at your disposal. What point – remember I used to buy the Leonard Malton book right, every year? Right. You know, That was my, my bathroom book. And if you want to know why I ever knew anything a lot about movies is I would just go through that and memorize things you right. know, and keep seeing the same director's names and movies and whatnot. But really the Internet Movie Database is the ultimate book about every movie. Right. You don't need to buy you that book You always have it right there. You don't need to carry that with you. You just tap into that database. That database is always going to be right. there. And if you ever need to know who the director of photography was, you could go find out right then and there. 
So it's that kind of thinking again is where – whereas normally I would need like a, a 15 encyclopedia on my shelf. Yeah, right. That's all online now. So we really are shifting from oh, yeah. a 20th century to 21st century age in thinking to where as we used to go from book and ownership to where it's now going to be digital online. And the ownership is different because we still know it's there. We have access to it. And, you know, you might have to pay a fee or something like that or whatever. I mean, I don't know what the, the brackets will be, but it'll still be available. Well, you know, and, if, uh, that will be enough. If things go the way of Netflix – with Netflix streaming now. See, that's really the ultimate way. See, uh, on, mm-hmm. on Xbox Live, you have two choices, okay? You can either buy a film directly from Xbox, and you have a choice. You can buy it standard, or you can buy it high definition. Not every movie is that way, but you do have a lot of choices, okay? Now, these are rentals, okay? They're not, you can't keep them because they expire after a certain amount of time. You use Microsoft Points or whatever, okay? Now, and really, if you think about the way they make movies today, since so many of them you don't want to rewatch, it's perfect. Oh, it, it's perfect if it's a one-time type of view. But you still have to pay for it, okay, for that one specific thing. And it's like your standard rental fee, 3 to $4, okay? If it gets down to 1 or 2 I would do it so much more often because I would well, want I think the it quality. Will be. That's good. A dollar rental for a lot of catalog titles. But they don't do that it's yet. It's going to be – Well, they don't do that yeah, yet. It will get there, and though. Because my Xbox works off – I have a, an HD monitor for my Xbox, which is a computer monitor really. I would watch it there in high definition, okay? That's great. I, I rented one Star Trek movie that way just so I could see what it looked like, you know, and it looked wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't true high def like a Blu-ray disc or anything, but it was, you know, pretty damn close. You have those two choices. Now, on the other side, you can go to this new Netflix streaming, which is – Huge now, and I think we'll continue to get better. But I have a DSL connection, okay? I don't have a cable connection, and my DSL connection is okay, but I've got some issues with it. And the problem is, is I will start – I even bought a cable to run from my Xbox to my television so we could watch some stuff there, okay? Even if I start a movie – see, what it does is is it, it checks your internet connection when you first start playing it. And then it assigns you a quality based on hmm. your connection speed, okay? Now, the problem with my connection speed is that it's good, and then it's bad. And then it's good, and then it's mm. bad. And then it's good. So, you know, it's got th- one of four bars. If you hit a four bar, then that means you've got the best quality you can get. But anytime I hit a four bar, within, you know, five minutes, it stops in the middle, resets, and gives me the the one bar. And... Hmm. Trust me, I would rather watch a donkey take a crap than watch a movie at one bar on Netflix streaming. It is yeah. worse. So it's just not it quite horrible. there yet. It's but not there the yet. The model is in place, though. If you think about it, you know it, what? Though, the model is the there. The subscription model is perfect. Right. The model is there. I'm in love with the Netflix streaming model. I love it. But you know what? It's a novelty to me now. I went and I well, bought like you're a, no, just, hold you're on, a technical hold on. problem, though. Yeah. That's just technical. But you know what? But that, I mean, got so that'll many get movies. over with, though. They've, That's just you got to get better equipment or you got to get a better line. The bigger subject, though, is Netflix has already put this in place. I mean, yeah, not everyone is, is up there yet because of certain technological limitations, but the model is there. They didn't wait around for someone to tell them they should do this. They just went ahead and instigated it. And they're taking the chance now on people like you that can't make it work perfectly. 
but it's right there and ready and waiting whenever your connection well, you catches know what? up you and know the what technology it's, catches up. You know what it's ended up being for me is that they've got a whole bunch of Wiggles DVDs on there that I can stream and I can let Courtney watch Wiggles because she doesn't give a crap if it's at one bar. Mm-hmm. Every single thing I watch is at one bar. Every single thing I watch on Netflix streaming is one bar. So mm-hmm. it's made it worthless to me now. Again, I agree with you completely, but they're selling this thing like it's worth something. And until those things get you know fixed, and until – because you know what I don't understand is why don't they just say start downloading now the high, high, high quality version and walk away? And it'll be downloaded in three hours. I don't care if it was five hours. You know what I mean? Right. That's what surprises me that you don't get the option. You don't get the option. To either download it or to stream it. That That's what I'm saying. ABC. If there's something on there and I could just say, you know what? I'll be – it's like I'm going to go to the store and when I'm done with the store, it will say, your movie's ready. And then I watch it and after mm-hmm. I watch it once, it erases. I don't care. But I just tell you that – the model's there, but you know, in reality right now, unless you are willing to pay a crazy-ass internet connection fee for like just super speed, you know, well, I mean, or it's basically like – because I called my cable company. If you want the really high speed, it's like $80, $90 a month. And I'm like, I could not pay that. You know, I'm not going to okay, pay but that. in a few years, it'll come down. Unless it's something that I just am so flippant about watching that I'm willing to watch it in such a poor condition. I, I, think, I think Lucas watched uh, Three Ninjas – four or something on there with it you know and it's like he doesn't give a crap so that's one thing yeah. we're beating up the the little kinks in the system right now but ultimately it does work out in our favor in the long run they've they've got these institutions in place if you're a fan of movies they're looking out for you because we've turned this culture into movie watchers sure we're digesting movies now much like we used to digest music and it's just it's into our our fabric and video games are, are the same way you know they they all three now are juggling for our time and attention at all times so you know the more avenues that they make these things available to us uh the better but it is going to change our philosophy about collecting I think, and you might get entire generations that just don't care about collecting, and then other ones that get nostalgic about it. So I, I think they're in the right, they're in the right place of making that buffet table philosophy. Is we have to hit all the markets, not just one market. If there's a piece of a pie and someone will pay that much for it, and we're not offering it, we're fools. I think is the theory. No, absolutely. And you'll see a lot more imitation of that kind of uh, that practice. You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon. 